Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. We often talk on this program about keeping our bodies and our minds healthy. Dr. Jennings offers insights and guidelines for doing just that. But guess what? There's another healthy-unhealthy challenge we all face, usually on a daily basis. What am I talking about? I'll let Dr. Jennings, who joins us via Skype, explain. Dr. Jennings, what do we need to know? So we're going to talk about decision-making today, Charles. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about decision-making, we're actually talking about the process one employs to make a choice. We're not talking about the specific choice itself. Mm -hmm. If somebody has an unhealthy process, the unhealthy process increases the frequency of unhealthy choices. Mm -hmm. A healthy process does not mean that one will never make an unhealthy choice, but it reduces the frequency of unhealthy choices. Good, good. So let's explore 10 points or principles for healthy decision-making. A healthy decision-making begins with a calm and honest mind. Healthy decision-making will start with an attitude of, I want to know what's best, what's objectively real, what's true, from a position of calmness, not franticness or fear. Mm -hmm. So it's calm and honest mind. Healthy decision-making has a mature goal, seeking what's actually true and what's healthy. Actually true. So calm, honest mind. Believe it or not, Charles, there's a lot of people out there whose minds are not actually oh, honest. They oh. don't want to know what's true. Yeah, true. Okay? Then a mature goal of objective truth and healthy results. You want to make a decision. Well, I'm going to make a choice. I want to know what's true. And I want to make a choice that's, that's going to help me grow, develop, advance into wellness, what's actually healthy. Principle three, healthy decision-making requires understanding the principles involved in whatever you're making a decision about. Hmm. If you're going to make decisions about aircraft wings, you better know something about aerodynamics yes. and metal stress tolerances and the physics involved yeah. uh, if you're going to make those types of decisions. So it requires some understanding of the principles involved in the subject matter upon which you're making a decision. Principle four, after a healthy, calm mind, an attitude to know the truth, seeking healthy results, uh, educating yourself on the principles involved, gathers relevant data and weighs the reliability of the sources. How much weight do I give this fact? What's the motives behind what this person told me? In other words, you're filtering the data you're going to make a decision upon, weighing the value of that data and incorporating it into your understanding of the various principles involved. Fifth, differentiate facts from both fiction and opinion. Healthy decision-making is based upon actual facts, evidence, objective reality, not wishful thinking, not fantasy, not imagination, not claims, not proclamations, not declarations of people who have a degree behind their name. Healthy decisions are not formed with hysteria, distress, and fright, nor are they determined by popular or expert opinion. So, the healthy decision-making process will differentiate what's reliable, testable, reproducible from what's imaginary and what's simply expedient to some person's putting out opinions. Mm -hmm. Six, weighs risks versus benefits. You've done all this, you've become honest, seeking truth, understand the principles, you've got your data, 
Now you're about to make a choice. You weigh the risks of the choice versus the potential benefits and will consider likely outcomes of the various choices and then make the decision that in your circumstance you judge to be the most reasonable and healthy choice you can make with the variables before you. And then seven, after making the choice, you immediately begin evaluating the outcome of the choice and assimilating the data that you're gathering from the consequences of your choice, updating your assumptions and conclusions that led to the choice. And if new data and information emerges from your choice, you modify your conclusions and make a new choice to move in healthier directions. So if you're at a crossroads, Charles, and you don't know which direction, you don't have no compass, you have no map, you have to make a choice. You, you make a choice to go one direction. And as you walk down that road, you'll soon discover new data, new information as you pass signs and and other things informing you of either you're on the right road or the wrong road. When you find you're on the wrong road, you update the path you're on, you go back, reverse course, and go down the other road because you have new data that you didn't have when you made the choice. And you don't think of yourself as a failure at that point. You don't think of yourself. And this okay. is normal, healthy decision because well, okay. we're finite beings. We don't know everything. Okay. So you make a decision, evaluate the outcome, and update the choice. And then a healthy decision-making process also opens your decisions up to review and critique from other people gathering the other person's perspectives and review of your decision making. And if others find flaws in the process or the method or or the conclusions, you are appreciative of those critiques mm-hmm. because it allows you to improve your decision making and make healthier decisions moving forward. But you also recognize other people have their own agenda and their own perspective and their own biases and their own assumptions. And they might disagree with you for invalid reasons and your decision remains legitimate and therefore a healthy process invites the critique but doesn't give authority to the critique to overrule your decision. Only the evidence and facts will do that. And you tolerate the disapproval of the other person whose biases and and prejudices reject your conclusion when you recognize their Biases and prejudices are the reason for their rejection. You don't actually get intimidated by that. You tolerate it. That's a healthy decision process. And number 10, you respect other people's individuality to disagree with you and leave them free to have that disagreement. So that's the 10 principles of healthy decision making. Let's now transition to talk about what impairs Healthy decision-making. Anything I say there, did you find any problem with or did it make sense? No, it's, it's wonderful. And I was wondering when the other shoe was going to fall. So go ahead and start. So the idea, this is very sensible, and you present it to most people, then why don't most people have a healthy decision-making process? And here's the reasons why. Here, here are 10 things that impair healthy decision-making. Yes. First is powerful emotions. Hmm. Any emotion, whether it's infatuation or fear, When it comes to manipulating a group of people, though, like in society, fear is the most reliable and predictable mover of people. If you can make them afraid, the more fearful we are, that actually impairs our prefrontal cortex where we reason and think, and we become less capable of processing information and making well-balanced decisions and more likely to react to some fear stressor impulsively. So fear impairs the brain circuits that reason and strategize and plan and prioritize. And so powerful emotions rather than a calm mind, Mm -hmm. impair healthy decision-making. And fear is the most reliable for manipulation of others. 
dishonest attitudes and prejudice. If a person comes to a question, situation, or problem with preconceived ideas and prejudices and biases, a closed mind, a negative attitude, that will then cause them to take data points and filter them in ways that are biased and prejudiced rather than honest. And that will obviously undermine the health of their decision making. And you can see in our society that fear is used constantly and there's lots of prejudice, biases, and assumptions. Unreliable information and propaganda. The effectiveness of decision-making is dependent upon the quality of the information upon which that decision is based. To the degree that we are accepting falsehoods, misinformation, and propaganda, then that will necessarily undermine the quality of the choice we make, and our decision-making will be diminished by it. Mm -hmm. So we want to do all we can to ascertain the quality of the information to make it reliable and not simply manipulated propaganda. Mm -hmm. Next, trusting the untrustworthy. To the degree you trust the input of somebody who is untrustworthy and you accept their information as reliable, that then will allow you to be deceived or duped and make a poor choice because you put your trust in what they told you. And the untrustworthy information may not because the person themselves is wanting to lie to you, but they are passing along a lie that they believed. A 14-year-old child whose father is committing adultery and having an affair tells the 14-year-old, hey, when your mom gets home, tell her that I went out shopping. Mm. And so the buddy went out to meet his girlfriend. And when mom comes home, the 14-year-old says to mom, hey, dad's out shopping. The 14-year-old is actually not lying in character, but she's passing on information that is false that she herself believes. Mm -hmm. This happens constantly in society when you may have some key people in key positions presenting propaganda or falsehood, and then subordinates that are genuinely believing them pass it along from a position of integrity. The information is still damaging and destructive, but not everybody passing it along is necessarily a liar. Right. All right. The next one that undermines good decision making is group pressure. We are wired and psychologically conditioned to conform to the group, especially when under threat. When we feel fear, it's very dangerous to be out there standing alone. There's safety in numbers. So when we're being manipulated by fear messaging and then we get the sense that the group is all going one way, it makes our fear get worse and we feel less secure standing out there by ourselves. And so we're much more willing to subordinate our choice, even if in our mind we go, that doesn't seem right to me, but everybody else thinks it's right. I'll just go along because I I really can't be the only one who sees this, can I? And so we doubt our own judgment when we're under fear and there's a lot of group pressure. And so group pressure undermines healthy decision-making. Censored information, which is slightly different than propaganda, censored information can be factually true, but key mitigating information is withheld that would cause you to draw different conclusions. So if we have censored information, it reduces the quality. Coercion. Anytime you're under threat, whether it's physical, emotional, economic, you might lose your job, you might not be able to travel, you might not be able to visit your family. If you don't take this action or make this decision, then your freedom to make a really quality decision is undermined. Ends justify the means mentality. If ever you hear this idea that ends justify the means methodology, it should be a major red flag that somebody does not want you to look deeper because if they actually had objective facts that persuaded based on truth that it was healthy, they would not have to use end justifies the means mentality. Those mentalities and and methodologies are, are typically only used by those who are trying to advance something that is contrary to what's actually healthy and reasonable. And then when you find yourself in a position where there are conflicting views uh, and you can't actually figure the data and facts out for yourself, step back and then look at those methods. Healthy decision-making are always based upon truth, love, freedom, and openness. 
If you see people practicing that, then you can feel more comfortable going along with their approach. If you see people using coercion, threat, censoring, silencing, uh, intimidation, deplatforming, these types of methodologies and deceit, you can be certain that those are not the methods of the kingdom of God, and making a decision and aligning with them is almost always certainly going to be unhealthy. You know, as you said these things, Dr. Jennings, I'm thinking of the life of Christ, and he was so first list. He was so what you mentioned first. Every time he did something, every time he said something, it was on that first list that you just gave us. That's exactly right. And we are to be his representatives and be lights in this world. And we are to practice those same methods. And what we've seen over the last years around the world is a real assault on those methods to damage people's minds, to get them to surrender their decision-making to some external authority to tell them what to do based on these destructive practices. You know, listener, I'm sure that as you've listened to these lists going here and you've tried to scribble them down as I have, you say, man, I can't keep up. I want to know what he's saying. You can hear this program again. Go to CommonReason.com. And there will be a blog with this listed in a blog. And there is a lecture that I have done with this in a lecture. There's lots of ways to get this information at CommonReason.com, Charles. Because Dr. Jennings wants us all to really absorb this. You can't do it in a 15-minute podcast, but you can certainly do it by reading it. You can do it by looking at it on video. You can do it by immersing yourself in this because the the results of doing this right are wonderful and many. The results of doing this wrong can cause a lot of heartache to ourselves and to our families. Am I right in saying that, Dr. Jennings? That's exactly right. All right. Comeandreason.com is that website. Check it out. A lot of good resources, books and podcasts and sharing tracks and just a number of ways for you to internalize and to absorb what Dr. Ding says on this program, comeandreason.com. This program is sponsored by Come and Reason Ministries. Dr. Jennings, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Appreciate it. Thank you, Charles. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>